This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Take the baseline out. Uh-huh. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Hardwood Knox podcast. Uh, for the second day in a row, it's me coming at you without Dan Favelli, who, like I said in the last episode, is just gallivanting about the U.S. Who knows what he's really up to? Um, suffice to say, he's not with us, but I'm very excited because we have a guest, Isaac Harris, with us today. Um, Isaac, how you doing? Man, I'm doing pretty good. It's a Saturday morning. I'm about to head up to the Mavs' new practice facility, new locker rooms. Mark Cuban is supposed to introduce it to us today and talk to us for a bit. So pretty excited about seeing that. We've heard about it for a while, so we're excited. That's awesome. That'll be fun. Wherever you go, however you go, for energy on the go, it's got to be five-hour energy. It works fast, it works long, it tastes good, and with zero sugar and four calories, there's nothing holding you back. Fits your pocket, fits your backpack, fits your on-the-go life, whether you're going to work, going on vacation, or just going out with friends. 5-Hour Energy. Energy on the go. For more information, visit 5hourenergy.com. Isaac, if you guys aren't aware, covers the Mavericks for The Smoking Cuban. He's also the host of Locked On Mavs, which I actually just uh, started listening to the other day. I've, I've listened to a lot of different shows from the Locked On Podcast Network. As a jazz guy, I've been on that Locked On show for a while. So, um, But he had a great interview with Harrison Barnes on his Locked On Mavs, which should be pretty easy to find if you just look him up on their Apple Podcasts or wherever else you guys get podcasts. So he's definitely someone to follow if you're interested in the Mavericks. Um, I just want to kick it off. The, the Mavericks offseason wasn't like there wasn't a ton of roster turnover. There was one pretty big addition, I would say, uh, in terms of a draft pick, Dennis Smith Jr. And there seems to be a decent amount of hype surrounding this guy right now. Um, we're only a couple days into training camp, so I don't know, you know, how how well we can tell if that hype is real or not, but. From these first couple of days, and we can even go back to summer league. How do you think he looks so far, Isaac? Man, you know when when we first drafted him, Carlisle said on draft night, he said, "Hey, like we project him, we project him as a starter," and it kind of caught us off guard because 
it's Carlisle. Yeah. You know, it's just like he's going to go ahead and give that to the rookie. And so immediately, you know, a lot of us, you know, media here in Dallas, like, man, he's going to have a legit shot at rookie of the year. And it's not just like us. And then slowly, you know, then summer league came and then more of these, um, more of these dunk videos on Twitter and his Instagram started leaking out more and the 48 inch vertical. And so then the hype slowly started building nationally, I would say, Summer League came. He played decently well in Summer League, but Summer League, Summer League. And now training camp's here. And, you know, we talked to him the other day, and he said, you know, I, I appreciate this part of it. He said, hey, it, it's not coming easy. Like, and, and he likes that. He said, it's, nothing's coming easy at this point. Because he, he was asking, you know, what's coming easy for Cam? He's like, nothing really. And he's just getting it all thrown at him. I, I respect Dallas for doing that and not saying because we have, you know, a whole boat full of, you know, really guards at this point. But they're giving him the keys to the offense and saying, we're going to run this system around you. And we know about his leaping ability. We know that it's the intangibles. It's the running the offense. It's all that type of stuff that, yeah, man, the hype's real. And I'm drink. If you want to say it's a Kool Aid, I'm drinking the Kool Aid on him winning Rookie of the Year. Also, so he's going to get every shot at it this season. Well, I don't blame you. I, you mentioned this a couple times, but athletically, he's already a monster. Um, like you said, the dunk videos and and some of his highlights in summer league, it's like whoa. There's definitely something here with this guy. Um, I would agree with you too that that obviously the biggest thing is like the actual point guard stuff. Mm. Um, how do you feel about? So I've always thought it's like Rick Carlisle has kind of like an interesting dynamic. Sometimes he really works with point guards, like he's been the magic elixir for JJ Barea's career, and sometimes he clashes with guys like Rajon Rondo. Um, I think maybe you could have a difference of opinion on how Darren Williams went, but I, I think some people might say that wasn't. Um, a great success, but I, mm. I wonder what do you think the dynamic will be like between those two? And you've already kind of touched on it a little bit, but I just wonder how will those two gel? It's going to be really interesting because, you know, especially stuff like body language um, to some people that means a lot to some people. And for me, it does. And his body language, his attitude, different stuff like that was questioned at NC state. And it was kind of you kind of take it with a grain of salt because his NC State situation was just super weird with his mm-hmm. coach getting fired and all that stuff. And but anyway, that it's that type of stuff that people were worried about coming into Dallas because hey, Rick's not going to take any crap. I mean, we just saw with Nerlens and Nerlens coming back, and Rick just sets up at a media day and says, "Hey, you know, he's not starting. He don't care. Like he's <laughs> he's yeah. going to do whatever he has to do." So I actually kidded. Barnes about this on that interview uh, last week, and I said, "Hey, you know, one of the fun questions I did for fans was who was the who's the player that Rick got the most mad at?" And he said Justin Anderson last year, and and I said, "Okay, Dennis is about to take that crown." So, and he kind of just laughed, and he's like, "Oh, maybe," and because you know Rick doesn't put up with that crap, and that's where you can't predict it. But we're wondering, you know, what what happens when Dallas is. You know, we've lost four in a row, five in a row. Dennis is, you know, playing decently well, but we're on a losing streak. And how is Dennis's attitude? Because he's saying all the right things now. And But you mentioned with, with D-Will, you know, we've never seen, in Dallas, we've never seen a point guard like Dennis. Yeah. And 
it's kind of new territory for Rick. Rick went down, flew down, flew himself down on his own plane because Rick's a pilot. Rick flew himself down to to Fayette, yeah, to to Fayetteville, <laughs> to uh, to Dennis Smith's hometown in North Carolina this summer after the draft, and just spent time with his family, his grandma, learning about his hometown and stuff. So like Rick is like making the the effort of saying, okay, this guy's going to be our next franchise point guard. I want to invest in him. It's going to have rocky paths and stuff, but but you mentioned D will. And like Brea, these are the point guards. These are the point guards since our 2011 Finals teams that Rick and the Mavericks have had: D. Will, Jameer Nelson, Rondo, Jose Calderon, and Darren Collison. So like yeah, those have been our really starting point. Row. Yeah, yeah, and like the past like eight to seven, eight years. And so Dennis is just a whole new breed for the Mavericks, and it, the the rookie with Carlisle will definitely be something to watch. And, of course, they have high hopes and saying the right things now, but a lot of people are not projecting the Mavericks to be a, a no-title-contending team this year. So we'll see how that works with losing. Jameer Nelson is another one that was, like, to me, a great success project for, for Rick Carlisle and point guards. They, they were on pace to have the best offense ever that season before they traded for Rondo, right? Yeah, like half the season, it was like, man, this is going awesome, and then here comes Rondo. Yeah. It seems like if you get guys uh, who are willing to, I mean, this sounds super cliche, but if you buy into Rick Carlisle's system, good things are going to happen. And then yeah. if you have guys that kind of want to do their own thing, like Rondo obviously did, um, it's not going to work. <laughs> yeah, and that's how it's going to be kind of different in a whole different ball game, really this year because now the system is kind of being shaped around Dennis. To where a lot of these past point guards were saying, hey, come in. This is our system. We have Dirk. We're running slow. We're going to get it to Dirk on the on the you know post. Like, here's our thing. But now Dennis is coming in. Now we have all these guards. And now the system, because really the talk of media day and over this past week in training camp at practice every day, we're talking to Rick about it. And he's saying, faster pace, faster pace. We were 29th in the league last year in pace. And that's been the talk. And so now that's the shift and he's shifting it toward because of this roster, because Dennis is can get it and just get out and go. So it's, it's a whole different situation this year of asking. It's not asking a point guard to come in and saying, Hey, embrace our system. We have Dennis and now we're starting to shape our system around him. So it it's a lot different starting really this year. And it's a kind of a new era of Mavs basketball kind of. That's actually, I think that's really cool. Like one of my favorite things that any coach does is sort of adapt to his players, and I, I think that's that for 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 me, it's kind of an outsider. That's really exciting. Um, we briefly touched on Nerlens Noel, or at least his name came up at some point. He was kind of the other story of the off off season. I think it was just basically Dennis Smith Jr. and Nerlens Noel, and I. So my thought on this is I think Harrison Barnes is definitely best at the four. Um, yeah. And I think long-term potential, assuming you can keep Nerlens Noel after this year on the qualifying offer, that's a pretty solid starting front court, uh, Barnes and Noel. But at the same time, I get starting Dirk Nowitzki. I mean, <laughs> he is the main guy in the history of this franchise. So I totally get it. And I think he still has something left in the tank. I, I think he showed plenty last year to suggest that. Um, what I'm getting to in a long way is basically 
What do you think about the Nerlens Noel situation? Like I said, he's just here this year on a qualifying offer. Is he going to come back? Like, how's he going to feel about coming off the bench behind Dirk? How how does that all look to you? So back last year, I asked Rick Carlisle. Dirk had his his Achilles injury last year, and he set out you know multiple weeks. And I had this thought. I was like, you know, like what what would be the idea of maybe Dirk coming off the bench, kind of like a Zach Randolph, and just like feasting on these second units. And I asked Rick one day in practice, I asked him that exact question. He looks at me in classic Rick way and says, you're suggesting benching a 19-year veteran who's a Hall of Famer? <laughs> and I felt like the stupidest person in the world. I'm like, uh, no, I was like a little girl. I was like, no, I'm not. I was just asking. Like, <laughs> And so from like it was, it's very clear, and he made it very clear on media day. As long as Dirk Nowitzki is in a Mavericks uniform, he's going to be a starter. And so that's that set. So then Nerlens comes in, and we've just kind of all penciled in coming into you know media, talking with other reporters and stuff. Like just all of us talking before going into media day, we already assume like okay, it's a Dirk and Nerlens front court. Yeah. And Dirk's just going to come out a few minutes into the first you know quarter. That's his thing. There's a lot that goes into Dirk starting, and that's a whole different like. You know, conversation as far as like he how he prepares for the game and they want him to get his legs going to start and different stuff with that. But so everybody's like, man, how's it going to affect Nerlens? And is he going to? So that was the big talk. And you know, and Nerlens, you know, he was saying all the right answers. I talked to him afterwards. Me and him, we kind of bonded because I'm from Kentucky. You know, he obviously played at Kentucky, and uh, so we have this like Kentucky bond. And uh, I talked to him afterwards, just me and him, and I was like, you know, bro, for real. Like, are you okay coming off the bench? And he just kind of looked at me and smiled and said, whatever they want me to do, I'm going to do. And so yeah. it, it's not an ideal situation because the summer was, the summer was, man, it's so jacked up. I was tired of somebody that covers the team every day. Like you just get kind of get sick of it just lasting forever. And it did. He obviously turned down an offer at the very beginning that a lot of us thought was a pretty good offer, $17 million a year. And it was reported, I think, around seventy million for those four years. So, but then his mom, you know, his mom had a had a conversation with Dallas Morning News here in Dallas and said, "Hey, you know, Nerlens told me he would have took twenty a year. He was wanting twenty three to twenty four, and there's just a bunch of back and forth. He switches agents to LeBron's agent, and then he takes the qualifying offer. So, I wouldn't say it's the there's the both sides, Cuban and the Mavs and Nerlens are saying, hey. Like this is fine. It's okay. Nerlens, you know, he's he's dedicated to having a really good year. He has to have a good year to get paid next summer. Yeah. And so if if that happens, then we're prepared to pay him next summer. But then he hits unrestricted free agency, and you know I don't want to put like a damper on it, but right now I would say he's gone. I mean it's just it's just a situation to where you know it got really messy this summer, and now you know going into <laughs> Going in, he finds out two days. I asked him, I said, when did you find out that you're going to be, like, you're benched? Like, you're going to come off the bench? And he said, two days ago. Yeah, two that's days before me, Two days before media day, you took the qualifying offer. And two days in, in your prove it, I'm betting on myself season. And then you find out you're going to be benched. And you're coming off the bench, you know, this season. So there's a lot. And then Dirk, you know, Dirk's saying, hey, if, if I'm healthy at the end of the season, I want to keep on playing. Well, if Dirk keeps on playing, he's going to keep on starting. Yeah. So, 
does that how does Dirk you know affect his his pay payday too? So the risk for Noel is like I don't know if he'll get four years and seventy million from somebody next summer. The, no, the money dried up this summer. I mean, the cap leveled off more than anybody anticipated. And next year, there's going to be more teams already pushing the luxury tax than there were this year. And if you just look around the league, it's kind of fu- it's kind of hard to find a spot where somebody's going to offer him big, big money. Because on top of there not being a ton of money on the market, most of these teams already have centers in some form or other. And I actually, I'm really high on Nerlens Noel. I think his ability to get steals and blocks from the center position and kind of Guard multiple positions is is really important. I think he has the potential to be a great rim runner. But if you're a center right now, it's kind of hard to get the money that you want. Yeah, and that's, you know, we kind of looking into next summer, Atlanta and Chicago, you know, those are two teams that you could see they'll have cap space next summer and that you could see maybe making a run at him if they're continuing their young rebuild kind of. But you know, a lot of people want to throw out the thing or after he took his qualifying offer, Mavs fans are like, oh, OK, well, we'll ha- we have his bird rights. You know, Mav- Mavericks can you know, we can offer more than anybody else. Well, who says he's going to be a max contract player? Like, that's the only way it's going to like that's yeah. the only way we're going to be able to outbid somebody, you know, by offering the fifth year and all that stuff. If if it's not a max, then somebody, you know, we're going to be off around the same amount. And that's why I'm saying if. If this continues all year, which is something I thought would happen, we made on Lockdown Mavs, we made board bets for our for the Mavericks season, and I put a bet down that said at some point this season, Nerlens is going to get benched for Seth Curry, and I just I never thought in a million years it would happen at the very off, beginning. Yeah. No, I didn't didn't think of that at all. So, yeah, it's going to be uh, the Nerlens situation will be very intriguing to watch, and if he comes off the bench all year. If Dirk comes back for another year and we're sitting there next summer and we're offering an amount and then somebody like Atlanta's offering around the same amount or maybe a little bit less and they're offering a starting role. Yeah. Especially would... especially after we kinda, you know, whatever you want to say, screwed him over this this past summer. Yeah, he could be gone. So what do you think would be sort of the next step for Dallas in terms of a center? Obviously, like you said, Novitsky could play another year. Do they just look for somebody in the middle of the first round and kind of continue to build. And th- this is something that I like that Dallas has done for the last couple of years is they finally embraced trying to find good young players and build something sort of from the ground up for a while there. It was like, we're going to take the biggest swings we can in free agency every summer. And it's never really panned out since that 2011 season. So I actually like this trajectory that they're on now. Um, again, I'm, this is a long winded question, but what do you think is sort of the next step in terms of center if he does bolt somewhere like Atlanta or Chicago? Well, if Dirk doesn't come back, then you, you know we're obviously setting in ground one, uh, unless Jeff Withy is the next monster of <laughs> Dallas. Uh, he's, a, he's a jazz guy. He's one of your yeah, boys. and I actually think he's pretty good. He did, yeah, I don't... It's hard to get minutes when Rudy Gobert um, is in front of you, but – for what he does, he's he's really effective defensively. But that's another guy that I, I'm pretty sure he's in his late 20s. And that would match up fine with guys like Harrison Barnes and Wesley Matthews. But I just wonder if they're going to be looking for somebody that's sort of on the same timeline as Smith. Yeah, and, you know, we – I've kind of touched on this a little bit ago. I don't think Dallas is going to be, you know, competing for a championship. So, you know, we, we could be looking at another lottery pick 
how high that lottery pick is, I don't know. Um, but there is a couple dudes in the draft that you know could fit that timeline. But I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball at you here. I've heard a few different grumblings um, just from different people that have different connections that Dallas is, you know, setting kind of setting the table of possibly making a run at, at Bookie Cousins next summer. I've heard that uh, too, actually. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that has, it's slowly, especially over the past few weeks, I feel like some people started to mention it a few times too. Um, I, I met with a guy a while back and we were having lunch and he just, kind of brought it up and i was like dang and it kind of you know they kind of started uh, started planting the seeds a little bit last season because we had uh, boogie's little brother jalil and we signed him really late uh, into training camp late in the preseason we signed him you know and brought him on he played like one preseason game he played for the texas legends like we started and a lot of people were like why would we do that and so then Boogie came to town. I actually talked to Boogie, me and another reporter. I was doing a different story about Dirk, so that's why I talked to him. But the other reporter with me, uh, he, he asked him, he's like, you know, what do you think about Dallas now that your brother's here? And and Cuban, I mean, and, and, and Boogie just sat there and was like, oh, man, Cuban's you know, a great owner. The city's really nice. He just really praised it and stuff. So I don't want to, like, just, say, you know, put this false hope out there, but I could – I could see a really hard run, and of course, we know our history of free agents, so <laughs> nothing to get too excited about. But I, I think we could make a really, really strong run at Boogie next summer. I totally understand the criticisms of Boogie Cousins, and I think they're largely fair. Um, but I also think the other side of it, that he spent all but the last half of last season with the Sacramento Kings, arguably the, the least functional franchise in the league. I think that absolutely plays a part. And I think Dallas um, is one of the strongest, most functional franchises in the league. And I think if he winds up in a spot like that, um, we could finally see uh, his talent like truly unleashed. And I, I mean, that's, if you lost Nerland's Noel, but got back to Marcus Cousins, like big whoop. <laughs> yeah. And, and imagine if, if this pairing worked and there's obviously some you know being scared about this pairing but rick and cousins if if boogie and rick could get on the same page and 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 i'll say this about i know i talked about dirk and nerlands in the starting thing dirk has said in the past in the right situation for the you know for the better of the team he's willing to come off the bench uh-huh. so i actually wondered just, if it would just be him saying i'll come off the bench that would change rick carlisle's oh yeah 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 Okay. He Dirk, when it, when we talk about the the big the really big four big five uh, decision makers in Dallas, it's Donnie Nelson, Rick Carlisle, Cuban, now Michael Finley, and Dirk. So it's that's our big five, you know, really decision makers. So whatever Dirk wants, he pretty much gets. We saw it with the Rondo trade, kind of. Um, but yeah, if if it's if it's going to come down to because Boogie, like you just said, Boogie's a different Boogie's. Boogie's better than Nerlens, <laughs> so yeah. if we brought Boogie in, I could definitely see and you know look, forming that core going forward of a, a Dennis Boogie and Harrison Barnes. I mean, that's pretty good for Dallas <laughs> moving yeah. forward. So yeah, I don't want to put too much false hope into that. I'm just saying I have talked to a few different people uh, that have brought that up that would know a few things. So yeah, I think it would be pretty cool. Um, you mentioned. 
when we were talking about Nerlens, uh, basically it's it's not Nowitzki starting over him. It's more like Seth Curry starting over him. He's a guy that I'm not sure we talk enough about. Um, he gets mm. he gets very overshadowed because his brother is the two-time MVP and had arguably the best offensive season of all time in 15-16. Um, he had some pretty ridiculous overall numbers last season. You know I'm a jazz guy, and I kind of made something up called the Joe Ingles Club. Um, <laughs> it's a 600 true shooting percentage, a 15-plus assist percentage, and a 2-plus uh, steal percentage. And I think the guys in there was like Ingles, Chris Paul, uh, Kawhi Leonard's in there, Steph Curry, and the one that always that I just think is awesome to see is Seth Curry is in mm. there too. This guy who passes the ball, defends a little bit, is just a ridiculously accurate shooter. Um, are we? Are people kind of underselling him or underrating this guy? I think he's really good. Yeah, they are, and or fans. I think fans are, but I think Dallas knows that next summer he's about to get paid, uh-huh. and it's it's obviously they obviously hold him to a high degree because you know we see the Nerland situation and they want to keep Nerland's long term, but especially knowing that you want to keep Nerlens happy and the whole situation with that, that you're willing to bench Nerlens to say, we want you starting Seth. And, and Seth, Seth has you know, been pretty vocal too, that he wants to be a starter and he, and we saw it last season, he played the best basketball of his whole season when he started. And some players are like that. Some to, to some fans, fans don't get that. Of saying, well, why do they play better? Some some people play better off the bench, and there's so much to do with like rhythm and starting off the game and getting into this groove and stuff. And Seth's just one of those dudes, you know, from last season. So I just asked Dennis about it. So Rick's been uncommitted to this whole like Seth's is going to start. Anybody that's asking this past week, oh, we're, we're just kind of we're unsure. I'm unsure who's going to start or whatever. But yet every day we show up to practice, Seth's wearing the white jersey with the starters. He looks like he's getting the run with the starters. It's you know kind of the worst kept secret right now. So, and then like it was my way of making sure that Seth's starting. I asked Dennis. I said, "Hey, how dangerous of a backcourt do you think you and Seth will be?" And Dennis like, "Man, we're gonna be really dangerous." <laughs> he said, "I think we, I think, I think we can be one of the best backcourts. You know, one of the a, bit, a big time backcourt in the league someday." And he mentioned exactly what you just said. He said, I don't think he gets enough love for, for who he is. I don't. I think he gets overlooked a lot. Yeah. And it comes with that younger brother th- stuff. You know, it's Last season was really his first season that I remember asking asked Rick last season. I said, Rick, how, does his, how, did, how have you seen Seth's confidence grow over the season? And Rick looks at me and says, he's never had a confidence problem. <laughs> and because you know Seth's always felt himself like he's always he's always he always knows he has this mindset hey I, I can ball it's just he's just been waiting for the opportunity and he got that opportunity he's gonna get it this season and now we see can he take that next step they might not be the best defensive pairing backcourt it's not gonna you know blow your way with that as far as him and Dennis they're both around six two six three but it's going to be fun, and having Dennis is going to open up so much of the court for you know, for somebody like him to get more outside shots. And he shot forty two percent from you know from three last season. So, yep, I it just should be to, fun. Just to back up your point about him 
as a starter and a reserve. I actually looked up his splits while you were talking. Um, as a starter, he averaged 14.7 points, shot 48% from the field, 43% from three. Mm. I mean, just just about any other – I mean, those aren't his season-long numbers, so what I'm about to say next might not apply, but any other shooting guard is averaging 15 points and shooting 43% from three is a guy who's going to get a lot of pub. Yeah. Um, I also, just out of curiosity – looked up his numbers compared to guys like Bradley Beal, CJ McCollum, and Clay Thompson. And he, he is a ways behind them in terms of like advanced numbers and stuff. But it's, I mean, he's within view of all of them. Like his true shooting percentage, the only one who has a better true shooting percentage than him was Bradley Beal. His was better than McCollum's and Thompson, who were widely regarded as like two of the league's best shooters. Yeah, I think, I think uh, McCollum is like his, his ceiling. Yeah, I can see I, my, that too. His was the first name that popped into my head actually when I started doing this comparison. So, yeah, when you just when you watch their games and just how they play and just their position stuff, and but now this season will be his season to hopefully take take that next step. Now he is he's going to be our starting two two guard. So here's here's your role. Your role's defined now, and there's no back and forth coming off the bench here and there. Here's your role. Now let's see if he can capitalize on it and really take that next step. And it'll be it'll definitely be fun to watch this season. Okay, so now I, I feel like we've hit, um, well, I was going to say four starters, but we didn't really talk about Harrison Barnes yet. But since we're kind of on this track, I'm just going to keep going down it. Um, what a, How do you feel about Wesley Matthews? I, I feel like we're probably never going to see the pre-Achilles Wesley Matthews. Um, at the same time, I do feel like he still brings a lot of value. Uh, he's a he's still a bulldog defender, maybe not quite as quick as he used to be. He's still a, a near forty percent three point shooter. Um, anyway, like I said, he he still brings value to this team. Um, what's going to be kind of his role as this this thing sort of turns over to the Dennis Smith era? We just need him to get back to being purely a three and D guy. Yeah. And last season, the past two seasons, you know, he comes over and he's making 17 million, 18 million a year. And he's like, man, I want to be one of the main guys. I want to be one of the main offensive guys. I'm, you know, that was kind of like his pressure that was kind of put on his shoulders because of his price tag and, and really because of our offensive system. Like D will just couldn't get into the lane. I mean, that it just, it killed us that he just couldn't penetrate like he used to. And so Wes kind of took over this role as this, go to, hey, let's just get the ball to Wes, create something. And that's just not who he is. Yeah. And injury aside, that's just not him. And I think this season will be his best season in Dallas because of Dennis, because we have these other creators now. And now Seth is another year into the system and we know Seth can, you know, he could penetrate, you know, pretty well too. And if we can just say, Wes, do your thing from the outside, focus on your outside shot because his outside shot, you know, that was you know, the bow and arrow, everybody's like, oh, man, we got this really good three-point shooter, but he hasn't really shot it that well. And that's been kind of a, a really – he's been criticized so much by fans. Fans have hated on him so much over this past year, really, um, because of how much money he's making. That salary, and, yeah. Yeah, and, it, you know, it, it, it kills it with that. But Dennis is going to – I touched on with Seth Wallio. Seth or Dennis, his ability to get into the lane and our faster pace now – it's going to open up so many more shots on the outside. 
Yeah. And the, he's going to draw so many defenders and it's going to, I really think it's going to benefit people like Wes the most and uh, just where to where we don't have to we have Barnes we know he can you know hey do your thing on offense now we have Dennis do your thing on offense and with Seth into you know the lineup now like Seth kind of do your thing on offense like Wes is, should be the one dude that we shouldn't throw the ball to and say go do your thing yeah. so I think it's that his role kind of moving towards that and fans just have to realize like yeah he might be an overpriced three and D guy but he's going to be the best Wes Matthews when he just focuses on being that 3 and D guy because we need his defense really bad, especially if Seth's going to start. We need him to be that lockdown, that take on the best matchup you know, on the wing. So I think we'll see Wes's best year, best statistical numbers this year in Dallas. I think you bring up a really good point. Uh, during, I mean, the peak of his career to this point was obviously with Portland. And that was a team that had Damian Lillard and Nicholas Batum. Batum's one of the best wing creators in the league. Uh, Lillard obviously has the ball plenty. And so there he was definitely more of just a catch-and-shoot, spot-up type guy. And now it looks like this roster, like you said, is a, it's, it's a little more tailored to that skill set. Yeah, it's like what we paid him to do is not you know, what we – like we, we paid him based off what he did in Portland. And then he comes here and we're like, hey – don't do what you did in Portland. So now, so now it should be getting back to what you did in Portland. Yeah, and just to like put a final um, hammer home on this point, in Portland he shot 44% from the field and 39 from three. In Dallas so far he's at 39 and 36. And like mm-hmm. I said, I think a lot of that probably has to do with the Achilles. But I think your point is every bit is valuable, that he just, he's not quite playing the role that made him who he was. Uh, in Portland. Yeah. Like I said, continuing down this track, um, that leaves Harrison Barnes, last year's leading scorer for the Mavericks, a guy who averaged 19 points a game and I think was criticized maybe as much as any 19-plus point-per-game scorer in the league. Um, I get the criticisms. People say he needs to get to the line more. People say he needs to be able to create a little bit more. But to me, like a 24-year-old, his first time in a featured role in his career to average 19, I, I think there's plenty of good signs, too. Um, how do you feel about sort of the next chapter for Harrison Barnes in Dallas? Is he going to make some of the improvements that everybody was yelling about last year? Um, just sort of how do you feel about Harrison Barnes this season? Yeah, first off, Harrison's one of the best genuine dudes in the entire NBA. I mean, he could... He could run to, for a political office right now and and get voted by all the players in the league pretty much. He is, he is super, super well-spoken and everything, and that plays into his work ethic. And, I mean, they said all summer long, with the exception of his, like, wedding and stuff, I mean, 7-15, 7-15 every single day he was, he was in the gym. And, you know, like you talked about earlier in the podcast, you know, I talked to him a few, you know, last week when we did that interview, and a lot of people – you know they have criticized him starting from that finals of how he really sucked in that finals for Golden State and then he goes out and gets this max contract from Dallas and you know and, and I asked him I said how does it feel like even after this first year to where you're you're the leading scorer on the team he really exceeded expectations I mean no one even Cuban admitted saying hey like we didn't think he was going to be this good like you know do this his first year in a featured role and 
asked him, I said, how do you deal with that criticism? And he's like, man, it's just like, he said, every summer it's, it's a buzzword. Like what, what's the buzzword where people are really going to like hound him on? You know, a few years ago, it's, oh, Barnes can't dribble. As soon as we signed Barnes, everybody's saying, y'all signed a, a wing player to a max contract and he can't even dribble. <laughs> and he can dribble. Like it's, you know, it's, I get the criticism and he, and he recognized it. He said, Hey, yeah, I know. I, I know it. I think ESPN did it, you know, a piece, uh, Zach Lowe or somebody said where, where Barnes had given them, told them his personal goal this year is that you know, three assists per game. And he's like, I, you know, just three assists per game. I, I want to focus on getting that. Cause I mean, it, it was really bad last year. I mean, it was like one and a half assist or something where yeah. it came. And, uh, but a lot of these possessions that where we featured Barnes, it was, Hey, let's throw it to him on the post. Like, let's throw it to him, you know, kind of at the top of the key or, at, you know, on the corner. And he I can't tell you how many elbow jump shots he took last year. And that was like his shot. But, yeah, he knows that assist, playmaking. But the one thing that I asked him, I said, what is one thing that you would say that you want to focus on the most? And he said rebounding. And he said, I, th- I feel that if I can improve my rebounding, then that will affect everything else with my game. And with this faster pace that you know Rick's wanting to run. He said if I can get in there and rebound, that's just that's extra possessions. I can get these offensive rebounds whatever and then I go back up. Like that's more free throw attempts. We can I can get a rebound and run with it if it's a defensive rebound and cuz we're going to run this faster pace and hopefully that'll open up assist. And so he he thinks that rebounding is the key to the kingdom uh going into the season and if there's one thing with Barnes, like we know he's going to put in the work, and yeah, I'm a believer in him. Uh, he's just a great guy, and we've seen improvement going, just coming from Golden State to Dallas and seeing the work that he put into that a lot of people, whether you're a Barnes hater or not, you didn't think he was going to come to Dallas and average 19 a game and you know play like he did last season. So, yeah. He'll take the. I think he'll improve on where he needs to improve and how what that translates as in. I don't know if that you know. I don't know if that's an all star over the next couple of years. I don't know how all that's going to shape out, but I think we'll definitely see those type of numbers improve this season. So you, the rebounding is really interesting to me, and that's that's something that stood out to me from that interview too. They're going to really need him to rebound if it's a starting front yeah. court of Harrison Barnes and Dirk Nowitzki. So I think he's he's definitely on the right track there. And if he hits that goal of three assists, so last year he was 19 points, five rebounds, like you said, one and a half assists. Um, he shot his lowest three-point percentage since 13-14. Um, if he gets that three-point percentage back to where it was the last couple of years in Golden State, he bumps up his rebounds by a couple, he bumps up his assists by one and a half. Like suddenly you're looking at, that's one of the most productive players in the league right there. Mm. Yeah. And it's just, you know, we've seen numbers like his three point or like his free throw and stuff go down, you know, a tad or something. And he, he talked about the end of last season of playing the four. And he was like, you know, yeah, I'm a natural three. I play the four, but it's the physical toll on somebody like that's body. And he, you know, he, he mentioned last year, it's, he affected his legs the most. You know, banging against somebody like Blake Griffin, banging against some of these other fours in the league, and but something I think that we kind of look over sometimes. If more teams are shifting to the small ball, you know, lineup, we're gonna see less banging on 
some of these guys' legs and stuff. You know, if you're going to face somebody like a Blake Griffin every, you know, once every two weeks compared to once a week, that that does affect, you know, if you're going against somebody like Nick Batum or, you know, a, a Marvin Williams, mm-hmm. you know, one night, that, that type of banging is a lot different than a Blake Griffin type of banging. So he has, he admitted on media day, he's like, yeah, some of my offseason training has been different because he knows he's going to play the four a little bit more this season. Um, but yeah, it will be, I mean, you, you said the numbers, if he can get to those numbers, then, you know, that should give I mean, at least account for a couple more wins on our season. Yeah, for sure. And it, that's a point I try to make a lot too, about the way the position is changing. Like there are still some old school power forwards out there. Um, like you mentioned, Blake Griffin, Utah plays Derek favors. Um, but I think five, ten years from now, maybe even less than that, basketball teams are basically going to be a point guard, a center, and three wings. And, yeah. and one of your wings is just going to be a little bit bigger, like Harrison Barnes is. Um, so I think just sort of the way the game is trending lends itself to Harrison Barnes playing more four. Um, For sure. So that, I mean, that covered, we went on everybody on the starting five. Um when we were first starting the podcast talking about Dennis Smith, you mentioned that this team has a bunch of guards, and that's something that's really interesting <laughs> to me. As someone who for, spends the first like two or three days with NBA 2K trying to fix all the <laughs> rosters and figure out rotations, it's kind of hard to see where all the – I mean, are guys like Yogi Ferrell going to play, Devin Harris? Like, that's going to be a really interesting rotation to figure out the point guard – and there's going to be a lot of point guards at shooting guard too. I would assume if they're going to get these guys minutes, um, how is how is that backcourt bench going to kind of shake out? You're going to see a lot of three guard lineups. You're oh, going to okay. see Devin. You're going to see Devin Harris at the three uh, because he because of his defensive ability, and they've talked about that as far as like Devin. He he's you know kind of he's a smaller in height, but he has kind of a body to where he is an underrated defender kind of so. You you are gonna see with this faster pace, you are gonna see some three guard lineups. Like it wouldn't surprise me at all if you saw a lineup of Yogi, JJ, and Devin at the same time. Uh-huh. And it, it sounds really wild, uh, but our roster right now, the Mavs roster right now, is kind of bookended because you got all these guards, and then right now during training camp before cuts are made, we have some, you know we have Nur- off the bench we have Nerlens, Salah Mezri, and Jeff Withy. And that's not including the the 6'10 guy from Germany, Maxi Kleber. It's not yeah. including Dwight Powell, who played a lot of minutes at center last year. Um, so not including Josh McRoberts. I mean, like that's that's like five or six guys. So we have all these bigs, we have all these guards, and then when you look at these, you know, if you want to say traditional threes or whatever, we just have Barnes and Dorian Finney-Smith. And <laughs> so like you're going to see that Wes is going to play a lot of three. Uh, we. I asked, you know, Rick about that, and he said, "Hey, Rick, you know, or Wes is a three and then a two, and probably in that order right now. So like Wes is sense. almost a full time three now. Like he is, he is a small four. He is a three in this in the you know for the Mavericks. So yeah, you're gonna see a lot of three guard lineups. I don't know how it's gonna you know how it's gonna shift, how it's gonna alternate. Yogi is gonna play. Uh, if I want, if I had to pick somebody that." minutes might be down you know out of all of this it, it would be Devin JJ has shown that he is he's valuable with this offense and 
they liked that you know Yogi and Dennis played together in summer league, and they liked Yogi playing off the ball some and at least seeing how he could do with that. I don't think that that's anything long term. Yogi just needs to be a point guard, but yeah, I mean that's the that's the thing. You you're gonna see especially off the bench a lot of three guard and maybe even three if you want to say point guard lineups at the same time. And that's actually, uh, I said this on a different. Um, I think it was the Pelicans preview. I just I love funky lineups. Um, that's always been one of my favorite things to see in basketball. So Devin Harris at the three, like it may be kind of weird when you first say it and think about it, but I can I can totally see how that would work. Um, and like you said, Carlisle says Matthews is a three and then a two. With the way the game is going, like. I wouldn't be stunned to see Matthews play a couple minutes as like a pseudo four too. Cause yeah. there, there's a ton of guards that need to get on the floor. And like you said, they got a bunch of bigs too, but you can't exact, those aren't guys that like you can play down a position like Jeff with You're not going to get away with him at the four. No. Um, so it makes more sense to spread the guards out among those minutes. So that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, but you did mention, <laughs> so there's that log jam with guards. There's also a log jam, with bigs. Um, we've talked a lot about Dirk and Nerlens, but there's some other bigs that have given quality NBA minutes in their career um, on this depth chart. And you mentioned some of them. How do you, how do you think that's going to shake out? I, I feel like Dwight Powell is probably going to play. Um, I'm not sure about McRoberts just because we haven't really seen him in several years. Salah Medri, I, I think is one of the better rim protectors in the league in short spurts. So you've got a lot of different things going on there too. Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be really interesting to see how the lineup shakes out. That was I was really wanting to do a story about that and hoping that Rick would give me a longer answer. <laughs> but uh, Rick's just a funny, just dry guy, and I asked him about how this faster pace, uh, will it affect you know how many big men, how many of these bigs make the roster, and he just said, I hope so. <laughs> and <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, I think we're going to see, you know, I, we're not going to see you mentioned the three. I mean, off the bench, if Dirk, Dirk's at center, then you got Nerlens, Withy, and Salah all right behind him. And you, you could argue, I guess, all three of those guys. I mean, Nerlens could probably play the four because he is kind of quicker, but he doesn't really shoot that well. Yeah. I mean, all three of those guys are traditional centers, if you want to say. Like, yeah. they're not going to get away playing the four. So, can you, in this day and age, can you, can you afford rostering three of those guys? And so, I think. I think you're going to see one of Withy and Salah make the roster. One of them will probably be cut. Um, Dwight Powell is definitely going to be on the roster because he makes freaking $9 million. Um, <laughs> Which one? It was either you or your co-host was down on. Uh, me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People uh, people kind of kid me because I am super down on Dwight. Uh, they say I hate on him all the time. And it's, just, it's kind of like the West stuff. I mean, he makes $9 million and – he he's kind of he kind of falls in this treatment of, you know, his efficiency numbers was was high last year, but he falls in this this category of like, what do you do well for me? Yeah. Like, okay, you do some of these other things. Oh, you could jump high, but you can't really catch it very well. You can <laughs> like, like he finished the season shooting a three a little bit better, but it's just for nine million dollars on your roster. And right now, how it's set up after Dirk's contract, I think he's like the third or fourth highest paid player on the team, and um. So, I mean, that's kind of skewed because Nerland's on the qualifying offer and blah, blah, blah. But, but still, like, you want more. I mean, there was how many, there were so many games last year, and, like, he didn't even play. Yeah. And, I mean, it really hurts your team 
when you have somebody making nine million dollars and he's just not even not and here's the thing making nine million dollars he's 25 years old i think 24 on a bad team like a rebuilding team kind of <laughs> if you want to say like that and all of that together so yeah i'm i'm lower on him i would i would love to see more out of him but and he played a lot of minutes at the five last year so like how many of these guys can you have on the roster and say hey you're gonna get you know minutes at the five and so it's it's going to be really really interesting how this McRoberts is going to make the roster because he's a, a very valuable trade chip, you know, come February. But so this is his last year, right? Yes, and he, last year around like six million dollars, and Dallas is setting right now with around, around like ten or twelve million in cap space. I wonder what it's like to be the NBA player who was like. <laughs> A rotation guy, pretty well thought of around the league, and then you're just a trade chip for like three or four years. Because that's <laughs> him, and he's not the first one either. Like, there's been a bunch of guys like that. That's uh, like you, you can't even like put your roots down. You're just like, man, yeah, like, I'm, I'm sure I'm that's just a, <laughs> I'm just a trade chip. I'm sure that the, the uh, paycheck is probably still nice to see. Uh, oh yeah, every couple weeks. Um, man, unless there's anybody else specifically you wanted to to hit on from the bench. I think we've covered this roster pretty well, um, top to bottom. If you had to give like a best case scenario, win loss prediction, uh, what do you think it'd be? And, and what does that best case look like? Yeah. Win loss. I mean, I think the best case scenario, best case scenario that Dirk doesn't completely fall off. I mean, you don't want to talk about anything with that, but he is 39 years old. Yeah. Um, assuming Dirk continues being efficient, uh, Nerlens embraces this bench, you know, this bench role coming off the bench and playing at a high level. And, and really a lot of it, you know, depends on Dennis. And if Dennis can be what a lot of people in Dallas believe he can be and that he has this rookie of the year type season. And so, yeah, I mean, best case scenario, I would say something around, um, a 40 and 42 and we won 30, 33 games last year. Um, I just don't know if we have the star power right now to really compete with just just Western Conference. I mean, yeah. I mean, just look at teams. You want to, you know, I'm I'm a more optimist type of guy, just down to my core. Um, but I do look at other teams like Denver and Portland and some of these guys that you know be right above us. That I think that maybe they just have a little bit more. And it is Dennis's rookie season. He is going to make mistakes, and no matter if it's a rookie of the season type year or not. But yeah, I mean, if I had to, you know, shoot my shot, I'd say a forty, forty-two, um, maybe a a nine seed, a ten seed. I think I had them at ten before, and I'll say this, and I I put a, a board bet on this on our pod. I think Dallas has a better record than Memphis this year, and so I got that, hate for that. That wouldn't surprise me at all. If you look thank at you, Memphis, thank you for, <laughs> thank you. That roster after Conley and Gasol is ugly. Yeah, like Chandler Parsons, I don't think we're ever going to see the Chandler Parsons that we saw in Houston and Dallas. Um, I think Tyreek Evans is actually their third best player, which is kind of scary yeah. in and of itself. I think for me, best case for the Mavericks, um, before you even gave your prediction, I was thinking high thirties. So I think we're kind of in the same neighborhood, um, and that's still like a that's a fairly decent improvement over thirty three wins from last season. And I do think this team will be better. I think Harrison Barnes will be better. Um, I think Dennis Smith is going to provide 
a lot, even if he does also provide a bunch of mistakes, like you, you mentioned. I think Seth Curry's going to be a little bit better. So I think there's, and, and like I said earlier, I think there's still something left in the tank for Dirk. So I think this is a team that's going to compete. It's going to frustrate the heck out of some playoff teams over the course of the regular season. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm in the same sort of ballpark. What do you, what's like a worst case scenario look like to you? Man, a worst case scenario is if, you know, not saying injuries, uh, not doing the cop out and saying, yeah. oh, if somebody gets hurt. <laughs> um, worst case scenario is just the, the pairing with Dennis and Rick kind of just really flames out. And that Dennis kind of just has an attitude, you know, this, the, um, which he, he doesn't. And I don't want to give that perception at all. But we are talking about a rookie, take his name out of it, a rookie point guard that's, you know, working with a Rick Carlisle type on a team that's not going to be competing, you know, being a top you know team in the league. Um, so that does bring some type of worries that, hey, you know, is is he going to be efficient? You know, you don't want him to go out there and just jack up shots and here and there. And so worst case scenario that, you know, that relationship does not go as planned. And that really, I mean, I, I would love Nerlens to be back. I mean, I, I want Nerlens back, and I think he would be great moving forward as a starting center. But that that relationship with Nerlens is never completely mended. That That is, you know, it just goes all season long. You know, worst case scenario is just, it just, it just becomes so obvious that we're on two separate pages, and then he just leaves for nothing, and that would just really suck. Yeah, I could see a lot of that stuff playing out too um i will say this it the storyline i would say one of the biggest storylines and really the theme if you want to put a theme on this season is i think it's just a setting the table type of season where everything is pointing towards next summer for dallas like next summer could be one of the biggest summers in really franchise history and just because so many decisions, so many thought processes, so many things happened this past summer. You know, we didn't even go out and really do anything. I mean, we didn't yeah. sign any of these. Like, there were people like Ben McLemore that I'm like, man, throw a, throw a flyer at. Like, I, I want, yeah, like, some of these interesting young, to see with this core for sure. Yeah. Like, I mean, even people like Shabazz Muhammad, like, some of these just like these young wings that I'm like, just throw a couple million at, like, throw, like, bring them in, let's see how it you know, works and stuff, we don't have really anything to lose, and we didn't do any of that, and we even, we, we brought in McRoberts, and, you know, we took money on, you know, for taking him off of Miami's hands, basically, and so we got, we got this extra money to spend on draft picks, we got this expiring contract with McRoberts, we're setting on, like, 10 million of cap space, you know, you look at next summer, Wes has a player option, which he's, you know, probably going to pick up. take that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dirk, you know, is Dirk going to continue playing? We have two big cornerstones possibly the future, hitting unrestricted free agency in Nerlens and Seth Curry. How are the, How is that going to play out? You know, and we're going to be one of the only teams in the league that's going to have a lot of cap space. And, you know, we might not have to be bidding against some of these other, you know, I mean, L.A. is going to be there. But it's just going to be really a lot of this season we're going to be talking about how it affects next summer. And are they going to prioritize trying to hand hand out a big contract to Seth? How does this affect the trade market? You know, with our cap space right now, are we going to sit there and say, hey, we got McRoberts at $6 million. We have 10 or 12 in cap space. Hey, we'll we'll call we'll talk to another team. We'll take a big contract off your books if you give us a really prized possession. 
if you give us a a, top, a a draft pick or if you give us a a really you know a stud you know a young player or something so a lot of this season is going to be focused on you know if you wanted to put two storylines on how fun it'll be Dirk's 20th season and D- Dennis Smith Jr. I mean that's pretty much your two things at Dallas but it's a setting the table season for next summer and what could be a, a massive off season for Dallas next year. It's funny you should mention that because I just did the Lakers preview yesterday and this is like a waiting year for them too. Um, and we talked earlier about how Dallas has kind of struck out on free agents in the past, but maybe 2018 is like the perfect storm of events where there's not a lot of teams that can legitimately add a max guy like DeMarcus Cousins. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe you know you see the signs you want from Dennis Smith and Harrison Barnes this year. Maybe you can get Seth Curry back for a little bit, you know, less than he might get elsewhere because he likes it there. Uh, maybe you can add one big name guy, and suddenly Dallas is is really interesting again. Yeah, I mean we we talk about Nerlens and paying Nerlens next summer, but I think there there could be a legit scenario to where we might be paying Seth more than Nerlens next year. Thank yeah. you. Like, well, that, the way the could... game is going, too, like um, guys who can shoot and wings generally, I mean, that's a, that is a much um, more valuable commodity right now. Yeah, and, we, and this pitch that we're going to be making next summer, if Dennis has this you know, rookie of the year type season, the pitch that you know, now we can look at next summer and saying, okay, like maybe Dirk had already, you know, what is Dirk doing? Is he retiring? Is he coming back? And if he is going to come back, Hey, if he's, if we're setting our two boogie saying you can come to Dallas, I, I just use him boogie, obviously. And Dennis just had this breakout year. Like Dennis is going to be one of the best new point guards in the league. You know, Barnes took this next, you know, this next step in his career. Dirk is, you know, on the fence. If he does come back, he said, he'll come off the bench for you. So like it's, now we can now our our pitch is different now. Instead of in the previous years, it's hey, our cornerstone is Dirk and he's not going anywhere and we really don't have anybody else outside of Dirk. So <laughs> Chandler Parsons. Woo, yeah. That was our thing. Yeah. So our pitch is gonna be different next year and maybe we'll have, you know, different luck because of that. Well, I think on that optimistic note is is a good place to stop. Um that was some excellent insight. From you, uh, Mr. Harris. Thank you so much for for joining me today. No, thank you, Andy. Thank you for your jazz love on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for all your uh, all your analytics and uh, for all the hate you get on Twitter for your analytics. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, man. Um, tell the listeners once again where they can find you on Twitter and, and around the internet. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Isaac Harris NBA. Uh, I do write for the Smoking Cuban, so you can go to smokingcuban.com. Uh, I go to almost all the practices and all the games and stuff, so if you do care about all of that, I do talk to some other players around the league. Uh, I did a piece last year with uh, talking about Dirk's legacy and stuff, so I talked to LeBron and Chris Paul and Harden, a bunch of pe- boogie and different people across the uh, league with that, so I am Mavericks-focused, but here and there I'll, I'll talk to some random players across the league, but yeah, I appreciate appreciate you having me on. Appreciate you um, just what you do for the league and uh, being fun on Twitter and starting all this uh, criticism. And what on earth you hate Game of Thrones? And that's a whole separate, <laughs> that's a whole separate conversation. Um, so I loved Game of Thrones for the first like three seasons, 
And I just don't, I feel like it never recovered from the Red Wedding. It's just been like slowly downhill from there. <laughs> Do you watch, have you ever watched Boardwalk Empire? I have not. Is it the same way? Yeah, I won't, I won't have a, I won't give you a spoiler. And it's a little, <laughs> I mean, if people are worried about uh, it being on HBO, it's a li- it's more graphic than Game of Thrones. I'll throw that out there. So stay away from anything wow. like that. But um there's also a big death in that show that the show just never recovers from. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> it is kind of funny when a, a new Game of Thrones comes out and I like can't resist a tweet storm and everybody's like, you are the devil. How do you not like Game of Thrones? <laughs> well, it's like Game of Thrones. I'm like, you know, I tweet here and there and everybody's talking about Game of Thrones and then sprinkled in through my timeline, it's, I hate Game of Thrones. I hate Game of Thrones. <laughs> it's, here's Andy coming out fighting this fight. Yeah, people, and maybe, I don't know, people people have a hard time with some of my contrarian TV takes, but I'm not going to not gonna uh, sugarcoat it for the people out there. Um, I will say, Isaac Harris is a good follow on Twitter, so you guys should definitely go do that, at Isaac Harris NBA. Um, provides all kinds of great content, not just with the pieces he writes like he talked about, but Locked On Mavs is, is good stuff too. Um, thanks again for coming on. Guys, uh, leave reviews of the show, subscribe, tell your friends about it. We appreciate all that stuff. Uh, And until next time, we leave you with the obligatory shout-out to Bino Udri. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.